0: Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly.
1: Good morning. I'm Karen. And this morning we have a guest with us today. Um, I'd like to introduce MJ Forgette. And I'm just going to begin by saying, um, or inviting you rather, to introduce yourself.
2: Perfect. So my name and my full name is maddie Josie Forgette, but everybody calls me MJ. Um <laughs> So I do what we call pelvic health physiotherapy. So for many of you, you might be aware, physiotherapists are known for working kind of muscles and joint pain and prescribing exercise and and such things, right? For any element uh, in the human body, pelvic health physiotherapy is kind of a specialization within physiotherapy. So we go to university, we graduate, and then we decide what we want to specialize in. So some people will do pediatrics. Some people will work with athletes. Some people will work with people who have neurological disorders. And another field is this pelvic health, which is kind of started off with mostly women's health issues. So it would be treating bladder and bowel problems, incontinence, and things like that. And it developed into now this whole program of treating men women, and children who have pelvic issues. So when you graduate from physio, you take some postgraduate studies, and you specialize in the field of pelvic health physiotherapy. So I've been doing this now since 1997, so that's getting close to 20 years, and it's pretty much exclusive of what I treat And so uh, I spend most of my days working with men and women and sometimes children uh, who suffer from pelvic health issues. I do a lot of mentoring with medical students and mentoring of other physios because I teach now uh, with a group called Pelvic Health Solutions, which is a company in Canada that offers education to physiotherapists, physicians and nurse practitioners to also learn about pelvic health in Canada. So I've been teaching with them now for three years And part of that is we do a lot of mentoring to physicians and physiotherapists who want to kind of continue learning uh, this specialty. So I've been pretty busy doing that. So that's what pelvic health physiotherapy is uh, in general.
1: Okay. Well, that opens up a whole floor for me to ask you just a plethora of questions. Yes. So do physicians know how to refer to you and why they would?
2: When I started 20 years ago, nobody knew about pelvic health. So it was very, very challenging when I started uh, because it wasn't on their radar at all. I had to do a lot of education. And a lot of this is word of mouth over time because uh, as you start treating patients, they go back to their doctor and they say, okay, this worked. This is very helpful. And that really helped kind of get more referrals. I would say now with the internet, with social media, and with the fact that we are training more physiotherapists in pelvic health, we're definitely we've increased the awareness significantly. We have about, I'd say, probably over a hundred physiotherapists just in Ontario now who do pelvic health physiotherapy, whereas five years ago there was four of us, and that was it. So really, we've improved that quite a bit because there's the more of us. Out there, the more we can educate. But it it took a while to kind of get the information out there, but it's so much easier now with all of the social media and whatnot. There's also been a lot of really good research that came out that really supports that what we do is helpful, right? And doctors want to see the research, they want to know that there's evidence behind what you do. And in the last five years, we've had a lot of doctors and physiotherapists and nurses who've done research in pelvic health. And it really goes to support what we do. And again, that's what the doctors want to see, is that what we're doing is efficient and works quite well. Uh, so that's been really great. You know, and Facebook is so good. You know, there's Facebook groups now and uh, and everybody's really connected socially that way. So it really spreads the word, which is
0: fantastic. Well, I'd like to say that we refer to you every day.
2: Yes, you do. Um, <laughs>
0: and, and we're both patients. So, um I, I think I like to say that just so that if you're wanting to share stories, you can use us. Okay, um, good. Just as examples, but um, we we refer to you a lot because of the energy healing that we do, um, and all the trauma that we mm-hmm. we hear and see when we are channeling for clients, and who you know these clients don't have any understanding of the pelvis, um, of the body in general, and cannot yet link the emotional and physical incidents that have happened in their life and so we're seeing them in all different or at all different ages um, with a lot of different problems and not knowing how to help themselves and just thinking that they have to live through uh, live through all of this so uh, do you want to start asking questions um, just sort of related to your energy is that okay yeah you go ahead yeah
1: Oh, I was going to ask MJ just to start by explaining what a pelvic floor is. Yep, we can start Uh, there. If that's okay, and just to explain, um, MJ, I'm always going to ask you to bring men into the conversation Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and children. And you did right off the bat um, because so many male clients, when we say to them, you have pelvic issues, um, they think, what? That's a female problem. And I have to try to even begin at that point of saying, no, no, men have a pelvic area too.
2: (laughs) And you know what? There's been a lot of reverse discrimination against men, right? Like I said, pelvic health started as a women's health kind of, you know, program. And there was not a lot of focus on men. And really, even when I started, uh, I really didn't think I was going to be treating men. Until my first man showed up for an assessment. And it was a pelvic pain. It was pain on top of that, which I really wasn't prepared for. So he was fantastic because he, um, he came in with a series of books. So he was very well prepared. He was a PhD student. And he looked at me and he said, MJ, I have pain down there. And I think he saw the look on my face because I wasn't prepared. You know, it was my first guy <laughs> to come in for treatment. And he's like, I've done my research, I know it's my pelvic floor. And you know, the good thing is is that I learned with him, right? Because he was willing, he knew I didn't have a lot of experience at the time treating men, and he was willing for us to kind of experiment and try different things, right? Which is really great. I learned a lot from my patients. But I learned very quickly that men are discriminated against because we've done really good work in researching pelvic issues with women because we've always thought of it as a woman problem, because we have children, we the ones who get pregnant. But men have a lot of issues down there. So if we're going to talk about the pelvic floor, um, it is the same in men and women. There's a couple of little differences, but really it's the same for both. So if we're talking about the pelvic floor muscles, if you visualize, if you're sitting tall in your chair and you think of where your pubic bone is in the front and you visualize where your tailbone is at the back, and if you sit tall and you can feel those two little bones at the bottom of your pelvis, those are your sit bones, your pelvic floor starts from your, your pubic bone in the front. It comes all the way back to your tailbone and it spans to the, each side to your sit bones. So it's a big, big muscle and it's kind of deep inside your body. So you can't always feel it. You have no awareness of it because you can't see it. Right, That's part of the problem. Right, We can't see it. And if we can't see it, we don't sense it very well. And what the pelvic floor does, it's got a lot of jobs. It's a very busy muscle. It, it acts like a shelf. So it holds up your pelvic organs, men and women. So for women, that means it holds up her bladder, it holds up her uterus, it holds up her rectum. For men, it holds up their bladder and holds up their rectum. So it keeps everything in good position. And The second thing that it does is it will tighten if you are going to do something like coughing, sneezing, laughing, lifting, or exercising. It'll tighten up to close off all of your openings so you don't leak urine or lose bowel control. So that's very important. It is the main muscle that we use for sexual function. So that means that for both men and women, these are the muscles that allow us to have sensation sensation during intercourse It allows us to have an orgasm. So for women, it gives us a clitoral orgasm. For men, it maintains erections. So it's what is responsible for maintaining an erection. So that's very important for guys. Then it's part of our core. So when we talk about core strength, everybody knows about core strength because we talk about that in the gym. It is a muscle that works with your stomach muscles, your back muscles, and your breathing muscle, your diaphragm, and it's part of your core. So they all have to kind of work together as a unit to create almost like this natural belt to give your back and your spine and your pelvis support.
0: I don't think everyone does understand the core. No, because no. Of, uh, yeah. like when, as you're saying this, it makes sense to me because I've been seeing you for a number of years, but... Most people just think of the core as the stomach muscles. Yeah, and
2: yeah, exactly. And so don't
0: th- understand how they function together.
2: No, and that's a big problem. I will say that's starting to change because in the fitness industry now, we've done enough presentations as a lot of us involved with fitness instructors that we're educating them on the pelvic floor, so they're starting to kind of really talk about that. But traditionally, what people would do with core is suck in their belly button. The problem is, is when you suck in your belly button, you're not using your pelvic floor necessarily. And so a lot of women would, would complain and say, well, you know, it's not really helping my stomach. I'm not really feeling like I'm getting stronger, but we would ignore the pelvic floor. So that's a bit of an issue, and, but it's improving, I would say, generally speaking. We still have some work to do at that front. So it's part of your core, so that's important. But it also has to relax. So it tightens up to keep you dry. It tightens up to let you get to the bathroom on time. It tightens up as part of your core, but it has to let go. And it has to let go so you can go to the bathroom and void, empty your bladder. And it has to relax to allow you to to have a bowel movement. And so it has to completely open up and relax to do so. Right? So, that's, that can be very relevant when we're going to talk about constipation or pain. It also has to relax to give birth, right? And that's part of the, one of the reasons women come to see me is because when we give birth, our babies, as we deliver vaginally, really stretch the pelvic floor. So, they do relax and open up. And that can be a problem and that can cause some bladder issues. It also has to relax for intercourse. So intercourse for women putting in a tampon or having a pap exam or a gynecological exam and having a speculum put in, those muscles have to relax to allow that to happen. So the pelvic floor is very important and it does a lot of things we don't realize in both men and women. And the only difference between men and women is really um, in women we have one of the muscles that we have in common with men in women it's open and in men it's closed and the only difference for that is we have a vagina so we have an extra opening so that muscle will be open and that's where we run into problems with what we call a prolapse so women have prolapse but men do not prolapse is when you have your bladder or your uterus or your rectum not kind of sitting in the right position and you feel a lot of heaviness, almost like things are dropping in your pelvis, okay? So women will say, I feel like my bottom's falling out. Yeah, every period. Every period. Yeah, and it's worse during period because things are heavier, right? So for women who've had children or vaginal deliveries, um, that's a very common finding because we have to push so hard for those babies to come out And if you push for a long time, if your baby was very big, then you had to work a lot harder. And a lot of times the pelvic floor, which should act like a shelf, now has gotten kind of stretched a little bit. And so your organs are maybe not kind of as well supported. And so women will say that. Now, men don't have that because that muscle that's open in women is closed in men. So that's really the only difference. But everything else is the same. Men can have incontinence, bladder or bowel. Men can have pain just like women do. Men can have sexual dysfunction or sexual pain or difficulty with erection just like women can have those issues as well. So everything else is the same between men and women. Um, So that's kind of a general sense of what the pelvic floor does.
1: Well, I hope that opens up a lot of conversations between couples because I don't know that all women could understand or would know to check in with a partner to ask them if they're in pain and so maybe men feeling like they have to be masculine might hide that
2: it's a big problem and one of the biggest issues with men specifically is that for men every time they complain about pain down there it gets blamed on the prostate so the first thing the physicians will do they'll they're going to check for a urinary tract infection and then they're going to check for a prostate infection and a lot of times a pelvic floor problem is mistaken for a prostate infection and so men get put on multiple rounds of antibiotics to no avail and so now maybe a year has gone by with these kind of persistent pain no response to antibiotics and at, at the end of the day all it was it was a pelvic floor problem and and that's a big uh a big source of frustration for men right now because they get mad that they didn't get referred to physio maybe early on.
1: Okay. MJ, do you mind describing in the body what a man's symptoms would be like where he might experience that pain if it goes up the back, down the legs, around the butt, like all that kind of stuff.
2: So if they have a pelvic floor problem, it can refer like, honestly, it's, it's a big variety, right? It could be pain at the tip of the penis It could be testicular pain. It could be groin pain, lower abdominal, so just above the pubic bone. It could be kind of tail bony kind of pain, low back
0: pain, and hip pain. Can I ask a question? There's probably like six questions in there. But um, can you explain why there would be pain at the tip of the penis if that is not technically um, the pelvis Do you you know what I mean? Like Internal? Yes. Like how does the pain get there? Okay. So what happens?
2: So I guess my best example would be we have to talk about referred pain. So if you have a heart attack, you don't feel a heart attack in your heart. You actually get arm pain, right? Or you can Mm -hmm. get indigestion. So that's what we call referred symptoms. I love it. Thank you. Okay. So the same thing happens in the pelvic floor. All Every muscle in your body, if it is under tension will have a pattern of referred pain. So maybe you have um, a knot in your neck, it refers to your jaw or behind your eye, right? Now the pelvic floor is no different. It's a muscle. It's a muscle you control. It's an active uh, muscle. And so it has also referral patterns, which means that if you have tension in your pelvic floor muscles, you're gonna have to have, you're gonna have pain somewhere else in the body. So for men, it can radiate to the tip of the penis. So it's not the tip of the penis is that that's the problem. There's nothing going on there, but that's where the tension in the pelvic floor refers pain to, or the testes or the tailbone. And so for the women, it's the same thing. We can get referred pain uh, in our whole vulva. We can have referred pain in our tailbone. We can have referred pain uh, to our pubic bone. We can have referred pain into a groin. So different parts of the pelvic floor muscles refer pain in different areas. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, can I throw some in? Yeah. My some of mine? Yes. In ahead. case someone's listening and goes, "Oh crap, that sounds like me." Yeah. Okay, mine went up my back?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh mine went from my pelvic floor, uh went down my legs. It went it felt like uh, down my hamstrings. It felt like sciatica actually. Um and it went right into my heel of my foot.
2: And it will imitate, it can imitate sciatica. It really can. That's why I said that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So that is a common thing. And you know, and this is interesting, because when I, again, when I started 20 years ago, I was kind of clueless to all of that. I mean, you learn as you go, right? It's all about experience. And I remember, because I was mostly treating incontinence when I started. And as I was treating pelvic floors, women or men would say to me, you know what, since you've been working on me, my back's been feeling better, and my hips are feeling better, and My sciatica is better. And I I remember thinking, okay, what am I doing? (laughs) What what did I do? So I ended up taking a lot of courses to try to figure out why I was making an impact on their back. And so now I just participate in a big study with McMaster University and my clinic, um, so Gateway Physiotherapy is where I work in North Bay. We were one of the centers for that study. So what happened is we looked at women specifically, so this was a female study, we'd like to do it for men too, but we looked at women who came to physio for low back pain. And they would come to physio and then the physios in the clinic would say, okay, we're MJ's participating in a study. They would come and see me and I would do an exam of their pelvic floor muscles. And what we were trying to determine was how many women with back pain had a pelvic floor problem. So we, I think we recruited over a hundred women. So we're going to be publishing in the next few months.
0: I don't know how I wasn't a part of that study.
2: (laughs) You weren't a patient at the time. So, yes, you would have been part of that study. You would have been a good candidate. We So we recruited about 100 women, and we asked them questions. Okay, how do you have bladder? Do you have incontinence? So do you leak urine when you cough, when you sneeze, when you laugh? Uh, do you leak urine on the way to the bathroom? So that was one question. Do you have constipation? Because that's another pelvic floor problem. We asked them, do you have pain with intercourse? Because that's a sign... Of a pelvic floor issue. And we said, do you have pain in your genitalia? So for women, it's like clitoral pain, vaginal pain, rectal pain. So we wanted to kind of get a sense. 96% of the women we assessed had a pelvic floor problem. And of those women, I think it was over 80%, it was tension in their pelvic floor. It was tightness, not weakness, tightness. And we probably need to talk a bit about what that that means you know because people have no idea what that yes, means yes
0: i'm excited can i are you sorry did yeah. i cut you off no nope, no nope, you're good i want to ask you a question um because i know we have a range of ages for listeners mm-hmm. i want to ask you about what happened to the generation who were taught to tuck in their pelvis hard to change those habits hard to change those habits because right. when you if you
2: think of your pelvic floor so pubic bone's in the front, tailbone's at the back. If you think about tucking in, you're tucking in your tailbone. And if you tuck in your tailbone, you're shortening the muscle, right? Because the tailbone's coming closer to your pubic bone. So that's a that's tension. Now, that's okay, you know, for certain things. Sometimes the way we sit, we'll tuck, but we don't sit for very long or we shouldn't sit for very long. Um, but if we do that all the time, we're creating tension and it where there's tension there's no flexibility and that can create problems again it could be that it makes it difficult for you to have a bowel movement because you've got pain or tension maybe you can't start your pee very well because you've got some tension you can have tailbone pain if you do that you know so it it's hard to change habits because we get told certain things and we believe those things because we get told by maybe you know maybe it was a health professional and it's hard to kind of undo those belief systems sometimes right you know and uh But again, we're talking like in yoga is really good because it's all about untucking and opening and widening.
0: And and we'll probably talk about yoga a little later. But yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, Amanda Cooley and she was just on the show and I'm I'm in her, I go to the 60 plus classes on Mondays and Fridays. And so I get to see this generation, which I had no idea about, um, where she's constantly correcting them and saying, untuck your tailbone, open up. And I couldn't understand where it was coming from and why these ladies were just doing it? Well, I think too, we were told, if you
2: think about, okay, I'm going to make some assumptions here, but I would suspect that that generation of women were told, stand up tall, suck in your belly. And when you, when you get told, stand up tall, suck in your belly, you're, you you kind of don't have a choice, but to tuck in your tailbone, right? Yep. Makes sense. Yeah, And also think about how we sit as women. Now, if I look at Karen right now, you're crossing your legs. But if you see me, my legs are very open. So we get we get told as women, cross your legs, cross your legs, cross your legs. But when you cross your leg, you're tucking your, your tailbone in. So I have to encourage my women to sit like a guy. I'm like, sit wide and Men's sit spreading. open. Yeah. I'm, I mean, and so we shouldn't say it's, it's sitting like a guy. It's just sitting yeah. norm. That's how we're, we should sit. But we've been told as women to cross our legs all the time, and that totally tucks in our tailbone, right? So we have to really kind of demystify a lot of things that women have been told for such a long time, and that's not always easy to do, but uh, but women get it because when they start to do it, they feel a lot better. They go, oh my God, that's not so tight, and my back's not so sore, my hips are not so sore, and my tailbone doesn't hurt anymore, right? hmm
1: um, I, I was gonna make a comment about the uh, 16 and over group <laughs> because I'm close. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, I'm I'm just that whole group. I'm, it's not that I'm trying to defend them or anything, but we were told to do that to be thinner.
2: Oh, interesting. We
1: were told things like that. I remember being told to stand straight and tuck the tailbone in, tuck my t- like suck your gut in, suck your gut and in, it was know. to look thinner. We mm. wa- like at that age, Twiggy was out. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you're, you're looking and I mean, some young women these days might still say the models are still that thin or even thinner. But we were told those things so that we'd be more attractive.
2: Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's so difficult because when I encourage my women to soften, I will say soften your belly, right? it's okay that we have a little bit of a pooch, you know, it's it's okay. But let go of your belly. And a lot of these kind of like lower belly pain, or what a lot of people think are bowel issues, are often just sucking in and tensing your abdominals all day, which we're not designed to do. We're not meant to suck in our bellies all day, right? You have to have confidence that if you stand tall, your muscles are doing what they're supposed to do, right?
1: MJ, um, Joe Hurd was here and oh, yeah. Joe's an ergonomist. Yeah. She's in a couple of the like an, uh, earlier shows, in a kinesiologist. And I remember one day she stood beside me and said, "What the hell are you doing?" And I was like, "Well, what?" And she said, "Like let your stomach out." Yeah. She said, "You're you're you're pulling, you're you're tucking your tummy in." She says, "Look at the way that I'm standing. Your posture's wrong." And she, the way she stood, gave her like a little belly look. Mm-hmm. And Joe doesn't have a little belly. But it made it look like she did. And I said, but Joe, you kind of look like you got a little bit of a paunch there. And she said, that's right. That's exactly how we're supposed to stand and look.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're not going to be flat. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we've had children, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of a paunch. And when we're talking about pain, if you keep sucking in your belly all day and tucking in your tailbone, you're creating tension. Well, tension is not our friend. You know, and so if we're holding tension all day, then we wonder why our backs are sore, our hips are sore, and we have tailbone pain, and we have pain with bowel movements. It's because we're creating a system of tension versus allowing our bodies to do what they're supposed to do naturally just by having good posture. MJ, if we
1: speak to, to issues for men in that regard that have a, I'll call it the belly and, and, you know, some people call it the bear belly. I don't, you know, whatever, or, and I'm seeing a lot lately of men who have hernias. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's a pot belly. They've got a massive hernia in there.
2: Yeah, it can happen. Okay. So women, men, I mean, both men and women can have hernias like abdominals, kind of like at the belly button area. We can both have, uh, what they call inguinal hernias, which is kind of in the groin area. And for women, we herniate via our pelvic floor. So when I talked about the bladder tipping back or um, the uterus losing support and women feeling like things are falling, that's also a form of hernia, right? Because we have an opening in our pelvic floor. And, you know, so things can drop through that pelvic floor. So so men can have hernias, women can have hernias, and they're very common. And for the the stomach hernias or the uh, groin hernias a lot of times they're repaired you know surgically and you know and that goes to you know posture how we lift uh, maybe your abdominals not being as strong as they should be so there's a lot of reason hernias can occur uh, but they're easy to fairly easy to repair
1: interesting I had a client just recently where the spirit world came in and said confront him about his hernia <laughs> and I, you couldn't even tell he had one so I asked him I said is it accurate you have a hernia and he said yes And I said, the spirit world is asking, why in God's name you haven't had it removed? (laughs) But it was the one thing that he had control over. His wife had control
2: over everything else. So he he was hanging on to that sucker. He was. And it's such a, like I said, it's not a difficult surgery. You know, I have a lot of patients who've had hernia repairs and and they do very well. Um, and uh, we've got great surgeons in North Bay who do a lot of really good work for hernias. But yeah, so that's what a hernia is. There's certain parts of our body that get weaker, and it creates an opportunity for things to poke through. That's what it is, right? So there's certain parts of our, like our abdominals, like when we think about our six-pack muscles, they're not tied, they're not connected in the center. There's actually space between our six-pack muscles. So the, the the tissue between your six-pack muscles, um, you know, if it's under strain all day, then our bowels are behind it and it just kind of slightly kind of pushes. It doesn't go through, it doesn't work that way, but it n- nudges against that tissue and that's what creates the bump. And that's a hernia. And so what the doctors do is they go in and they just put a mesh in and they repair it, right? So it's it's quite straightforward. When
1: they go through that MTG, is it important to see a physical after that?
2: Yeah, it is because you can have some scar tissue, right? So they can have some scar tissue in that area that could create tension. And a lot of times, too, people don't know how to do certain things during the day, like how should you lift or carry things that are heavy or push and pull. Um, and so that can strain in your abdominals. So after a hernia repair, we want to protect what the surgeon has repaired. And so teaching them how to do things during the day is important in working scar tissue if they have any pain or restrictions, and then strengthening the muscles in that area to give everything good support. So yeah, there's always value to uh, to seeing physio. And for that, I'd say you can see any physio for that. So it doesn't have to be a pelvic health physiotherapist, um, that could be what I would call like a normal orthopedic physiotherapist. Okay. So that is kind of in the realm of any physio who can work on that specifically.
0: I want to ask when you have your, when you have your clients in a day, cause you said mainly you're, you're just seeing pelvic, uh, pelvic floors. Um, do you ask them their stories? I do. That's really important.
2: And I ask everybody, I always start by saying, who sent you to see me and what's the main issue that you need help with and then I let them talk because I think we don't let people talk enough and I usually sit back and I let them say what they need to say so if somebody comes in for bladder issues like incontinence so incontinence means you know if you cough sneeze or laugh you lose a little bit of urine that's a very common finding so one in four women will have bladder incontinence so if they come in they'll say okay well for me I started jogging and now I'm leaking a lot of urine. Every time I run, I have to wear a pad. Right? So a lot of women will just kind of open up that way. Uh, or they'll say, um, I'm having you know, constipation issues and whatnot. Where it becomes more relevant is when somebody comes in with pain. So if somebody comes in and their main complaint is that they are not able to have intercourse with their partner because it hurts too much. Or they have vaginal pain. Or they have penile pain if they're men. There's a story behind that, right? Because pain is, is consuming and pain really affects people's lives. By the time I typically see a patient who has had pain, they have had pain for a long time. Because what happens when you have pain in that area is that you end up seeing, on average, five to seven different doctors. Because if you have pain down there, it could be, The doctors will often say, okay, well, it might be a urinary tract infection. So they'll test for that and maybe give you an antibiotic. Or maybe they think you have a yeast infection, and they'll treat for that. And then when that doesn't work, then they'll test for other stuff. And when that doesn't work, they'll say, okay, well, maybe it's your bladder, so I'm going to send you to a urologist. And then you go to the urologist, and then they do tests, which takes a long time. And those tests come back negative. And then they say, well, maybe it's your bowel. And then you go see a gastroenterologist, and they do tests. So there's a few more months or a few more years. And when everything comes back negative and the doctors say, well, I don't know why you have pain down there. That's usually when they say, okay, you need to go see a pelvic health physiotherapist. So on average, and they've done studies five to seven years. Now, if you've had pain in your genitalia and not able to have intercourse for all those years, or you're tolerating having painful intercourse men or women that's a long time with pain, and that affects your quality of life significantly. And that's a big problem. We need to fix that. We need to do a better job in healthcare to recognize quickly that like, the tests need to be done. Like, we, It can be a UTI. It can be a yeast infection. It could be a prostate infection. But if the tests come back negative, send them to a pelvic health physiotherapist. It's probably their pelvic floor, which is a muscle problem.
1: You're talking my story, and I know you know that, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, of the more than five to seven doctors, Women's College in Toronto, um, many, many places, but also including in my story, MJ, by the time I was referred to you, I'd probably seen five physios, Mm -hmm. and I had also seen um, several chiropractors who also thought that it was, um, uh, like, uh, what do you call it, sciatica? Okay. And that the pain was referring from that stuff. So add to that mix. And that's why I asked you questions earlier about the physio part, that at that time, many physios didn't even know about you. They didn't know about the pelvic issues. And it was one particular physio in North Bay that when he said to me one day, where do you feel this pain? And I told him, he went, oh, You need a physio specialist, Mm. but before that, I'd seen at least five that didn't know.
2: It's and that's still an issue. So the problem. So this is the problem. When we're talking about bladder, bowel health, sexual health, pain, that's not taught in university. It's not taught in the physio department, in the physio uh, programs. And I would say to you that it's not talked about in medicine in medical school because I mentor medical students. I get the third-year medical students from uh, the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. They come and spend a day with me. They shadow me, and they'll tell me we are not taught this in school. Okay, so that's a big. So it's not taught in physio school. It's not taught in medicine. So now, the other problem is that. Most physiotherapists and most doctors don't like to ask those questions either. So if you're not asking people, do you have bladder issues? Do you have bowel issues? Do you have pain? Do you have pain with intercourse? Do you have pain with bowel movements? Do you have tailbone pain? Um, We're not going to volunteer that information as women or men to our doctors. We're often too embarrassed about it. We think we're the only ones who have it. And... We don't chat about it. We don't talk to our girlfriends about it. We, if you're a man, you're not talking to anybody about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not telling your doctor you have these issues, right? And the doctors are not asking the questions, and neither are the physios, right? So that's a problem, because if you don't ask the right questions, then you don't know what the issue is. So we're trying now, we're offering courses that are for physios who have no interest in, in specializing in pelvic health, but it's a course that, okay, what questions do you need to ask your patients so that you know when to send them to a pelvic health physiotherapist. And you have to not be embarrassed. You have to not be shy. And you have to be comfortable with the subject. And most people are not. That's the problem. Nobody likes to talk about bladder and bowel function or sexual function with their patients. That's a big hurdle.
1: Can I, can I ask, like, throw out something else for you? and Obviously, just inviting you to respond is the MRI. I was sent for several MRIs, and it, nothing was caught in that either. I was sent for x-rays, uh, ultrasound. There's just about everything in the medical community, and I and that's one of the reasons I've invited you, one of many, but um, that none of the imaging or testing, uh, including um, at all these different colleges and Lockwood Clinic and everything, Women's College and all that, the, the, there was no test for the pelvic floor.
2: And it's not. So really, if you think of MRIs, CAT scans, we'll talk about those two. MRIs and CAT scans, I always tell people those are the tests that we're going to use to look at the scary stuff. So that's to really eliminate lumps and bumps and cancers and things like that, right? That's the value of an MRI and a CAT scan. You can see muscles. So you can see if there's a mass in a muscle, like if you had a cancer in your muscles, you can see that. But you can't see muscle tension on any tests. You can't. You know, it's, it's a state of the muscle. It's something you actually have to touch. You can't see that. So like I said, there's value to CAT scans. There's value to MRIs. There's value to x-rays to see the things that we can see on an MRI, CAT scan, or uh, x-rays. But you can't see muscle tension right? You can't see bad posture. You can't see tailbone being tucked in. That won't get picked up on any test. So you have to feel with your hands. And that's why those of us who do pelvic health specialize in doing internal exams. So let's say you had a knee problem. If you went to see your chiropractor or your physiotherapist and you were wearing a pair of jeans and you said, I hurt my knee. My knee is swollen. I can't bend it. I can't straighten it. And the physiotherapist or the chiropractor never ask you to put a pair of shorts on. And all they do is feel through a thick pair of jeans to try to determine your problem. You'd walk away. You'd say, okay, the guy didn't, the person didn't even look at my knee, right? They didn't roll up my pants to see my swelling. Now the pelvic floor is inside your body. You can't feel it. You can't sense it. All you know is you've got pain or you've got bladder incontinence or whatever it may be. What we do is we do internal exams. So we're trained to do a vaginal exam or a rectal exam and a rectal exam on men. And we are trained to assess what's happening with that muscle. So maybe it's weak, maybe it's tight, but you can't do that if you don't do an internal, right? And that's another big problem. So generally speaking, in the world of rehab, we've gone through years where we gave kegels to everybody. Everybody did Kegels, right? So if you're pregnant, you were told to do Kegels. If you had a baby, you got told to do Kegels. If you had bladder problems, you were told to do Kegels. Nobody knows what a Kegel is. Nobody knows if they're doing it correctly. A lot of women who come to see me and men who get told to do Kegels are often doing them incorrectly. A lot of physios are teaching Kegels to their patients, but they're not doing a full assessment right? So it would be like assessing a knee through a thick pair of jeans, it doesn't make a lot of sense, because it's inside your body. So we don't know what's happening in there. They don't know if there's a prolapse. Um, You know, and we're also trained to check for anything that could be not good, like unpleasant, like sometimes we can feel masses and bumps and lumps. And then we have to send them back to the doctor and say, I can feel something in there that doesn't seem quite right, you know, because we can get cancer, that happens. And so we're trained to do that. So if we weren't doing a proper exam, uh, we're really not helping people. And people do get very frustrated, because they often come to the clinic. And they'll say things like, I don't know why I'm here. I've been told to do Kegels, I've been doing them, it doesn't help, it doesn't work. And a lot of times, the problem is, is that they're not just weak, they're tight, they have tension. So if you've got tension in your muscle, and then you do Kegels, which tightens more, you're going to have more pain, more discomfort. And that your your muscles are not going to function properly. And their job is to control your bladder and your bowel. So you're going to have all sorts of problems. So there's a lot of education we've had to do now that will say, you know, it's not all about kegels there most of my patients do not do kegels they actually have to learn to let go and relax their pelvic floor before they can learn to do kegels if they even need to do kegels people who have pain don't need to do kegels it's actually going to make them worse and then they get very frustrated so that's a problem so if you don't do a proper exam how do you know if the pelvic floor is weak And how do you know if it's tight? Because you can't feel that from the outside. You have to go internal to feel that. And a lot of physios are having a hard time with that because um, I don't think they're getting that piece.
1: Can I keep asking these questions from, I'll say, the other side here? Um, Okay, I'm just going to throw something at you. So um, I'm a middle-aged woman and I go for my pap once a year. Um, So how come the old doc doesn't know this shit? Yeah, so... Or is it good enough? Because, and I just word it, you know, in a slang mm-hmm. kind of way, just throwing something at you, MJ, because some of the listeners w- might think they're okay. Okay. They might, and because I, I know better. You know I do, personally. But I'm saying some people are at home and might listen to this and go, well, I do that. You know, I think of some of the 70 and 80-year-old women that will listen to this and not know the difference and think that that is what the doctor's doing. I don't need the other stuff.
2: So when a doctor... When you go in for your pap, first of all, we'll be clear. I'm going to talk about Canadian doctors here because that's my experience. I'm not going to make a comment about doctors anywhere else but in Canada Um, because we've had doctors do our courses and they have admitted. And we've had gynecologists take our courses and urologists take our courses and nurse practitioners take our courses. And. They will admit freely that they are not taught in medical school or even when they're doing their fellowship in gynecology, which is, uh, I think, a three to four year kind of uh, fellowship. They're not taught to palpate the pelvic floor. They're not. So, what doctors do when they do an internal exam is they're putting the speculum in, which stretches your pelvic floor. So, how can they assess it to begin with? Because the speculum pushes on the pelvic floor. And they go in and they're just swabbing your cervix and checking your ovaries. And that is not what we do as pelvic floor physios. I'm not going to check your cervix. I am not trained to check your ovaries. That's not my job to do. I'm trained to look at the state of your muscles. Do you have a weak pelvic floor or do you have tension in your pelvic floor? That's what we're trained to do. So we do not use a speculum. You're not in stirrups. We're very gentle too. That's another big thing because when, when women come to see me, they're afraid, right? They're very afraid of what the exam is going to be. They think we're going to use a speculum. And most of these women, the speculum is very uncomfortable for them too. And so there's none of that because if you're coming to see me for pain, I don't want to create more pain. I want to develop a trust and I want you to feel comfortable and at ease because we need to fix this problem. So the exam is a manual exam and sometimes it's just one little finger that has to go in to check these muscles and that's it. And, When women are usually done with me, they'll say, okay, this is not at all what I expected. This is not like going to the doctors. But the doctors have to do what they have to do. That's very important what they're doing. But they are not trained to look at the pelvic floor. But that's also changing because they are. we're all going to the same conferences. So we talk about the pelvic floor. They're taking courses with us. So we're teaching them. So I have taught doctors how to check for pelvic floor weakness or for pelvic floor tension and nurse practitioners are taking our courses and midwives you know so it's starting to change and it's starting to improve is it going to take time still yeah it's going to take time um doctors are busy they don't have time you know really at the end of the day when they're doing a pop they're in they're out it's fast they're done they don't have a lot of time. So it's always best that if they can ask the right questions to know if it's a pelvic floor problem and refer on right away to a pelvic health physio, not waste any time and we can do an exam. And the doctors here in North Bay are really good for that. Um, Most of the doctors here are asking the right questions and they know really quickly, okay, you need to go CMJ for this, which is fantastic. It took a while to get there and not everybody does it, but I'm definitely seeing an improvement that way. So it's not a typical gynecological exam, and uh, and then women will and and even my men, right? Because my men, it's a it's a rectal exam. I'm not checking their prostate. I'm not trained to do that. I'm checking their muscles, and that's what a pelvic health physio does. And that's what when you're getting referred on for any kind of pelvic health issues, you can't just go see anybody, right? You have to really ask for a pelvic health physiotherapist. Because most physiotherapists are not trained to do internal exam. We're not taught that in university. That's something you study after, and we have to register with the College of Physiotherapists to say that we do internal exams. So we're, we're rostered, and that's for your safety as the consumer. That you are um, seeing the right person, getting the right assessment. Uh, you know, and that has to be um, done just so. And. The best way to kind of find a pelvic health physiotherapist uh, is to look online. And we have a website called uh, pelvichealthsolutions.ca. And you can find a pelvic health physio in Ontario and in Canada. And those are the physios that we've trained. You, You can actually see, too, on, like, if you click on a name, we list all the courses they've taken. So the good thing with that as a consumer is you can see, oh, that physio only did two pelvic health courses, but that physio, who's just two blocks over, has done seven pelvic floor courses. So you can kind of really choose well who you see um, that way. So it kind of gives consumers a bit more control, which is fantastic. So that's a good website to go on to know, okay, well, who's who in my area uh, that I can go see for pelvic floor physiotherapy or pelvic health physiotherapy because it's not an it's not a regular physiotherapy practice
1: mj can you talk about what your your room looks like can you can you um can you guide people through the first session a little bit in what they have to disrobe like like Because some people go to physio and there's, there's eight beds and there's no curtains and they might be listening to this going, what can you describe it a little bit?
2: So pelvic health physiotherapists, I mean, you're not, and it's exactly right. Most clinics are very open uh, because if we're just treating a knee and an ankle, it doesn't matter that you're in a private room. You could just come in with a pair of shorts, but for pelvic health, we have a private room where the door can be closed and locked if the patient wants that. Uh, some of us are lucky enough to have a bathroom in our private room. So you don't have to kind of leave the room to go to the bathroom, but that doesn't matter if you, if the setup's not that way, that the main thing you want is a private room where you feel like you can talk and nobody's going to listen to you. Because listen, I mean, if we're talking about bladder bowel problems or sexual function and sexual pain, um, you don't want anybody else to hear about that. You want to feel like you've got your privacy. And so that's really important. When we start the exam, typically, and this is in my practice, I have sheets on the bed and I leave the room. Patients can go to the bathroom if they need to. They're asked to remove their pants and their underwear only. And then they lay on top of the sheet and then I have two other sheets over top. So I have a nice clean sheet and I have like almost like a warm fleecy sheet because I think it's kind of nice to feel like you're covered uh, it gives you a sense of security. Uh, so, you, you know, cause you know, as women know, when we go to the gynecologist, we get that little flimsy paper. So you don't really feel like you're covered up, right? But that's cost efficient. So there's a reason that gets used. Um, I spent a little bit more money just making sure I have sheets. That's how I practice though. There are pelvic floor physios who do use paper and that's okay too, right? Because you're, you're going to be well covered. I just chose to use sheets. And when I come back in the room, you're under the sheets, so it's not you're exposed for the world to see. And, and like I said, for the most part, you're covered up. I don't really need to look at a lot of stuff because really when we're doing a pelvic exam, I'm feeling for muscles. So I don't need to be looking in there like a gynecologist would or your family doctor. So a lot of times as I'm assessing the pelvic floor, you're completely covered up. And that that's definitely more comfortable. And I'm sitting on the side of the bed. I'm not at the end of the bed like we do when we go for a pap, which feels very impersonal and and very cold. I'm beside the bed so I can see your face. I can make eye contact. If you're uncomfortable, I'll know. If you're nervous, I'll know. And then we can kind of talk about things. And then usually I kind of keep things light. So we're always like kind of talking about your family and, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, so we keep it very light um, to make you feel comfortable. So and that's very typical of what a good pelvic health physiotherapist uh, will do. We need to build trust and make you feel comfortable. Right. And that's really important. So that's kind of typically the setup. The exam doesn't last very long. You know, I'm, you know, for the first time you come in, maybe 15 minutes at the most. And then there's a lot of time spent on education and teaching you. If you're weak, we'll teach you how to do kegels. If you've got tension and pain, then we're going to teach you some techniques to help relax those muscles that are tight and whatnot.
0: I wanted to add to um, that you're walked through every step the process. So like you give such great instruction to your clients, um, just, you know, in order to disrobe. And then when you come back in and it's going to be the internal exam, you tell me where everything's going, what sensations I'm probably going to feel, um, which muscles to relax, where I can rest my leg. There's so much, um, support.
2: Yeah. And that's really important because the control, we have to give you control, right? So we'll explain the process because there's nothing worse with, And we've all experienced it. When you go for a pap and you don't get told the speculum is going to come in, right? And it's cold and it's, you know, you got the gel on it and you you kind of tighten up. So instead, it's better to say, okay, so I'm getting ready to do a vaginal exam. It's okay to feel pressure, but it's never okay to feel pain or burning. So if you do, let me know and, and I'll adjust my pressure and we're going to try to figure out why you have pain or why you have burning. And so that's important because again women and men are so clueless of that whole area of the body right i have women who do not know where their urethra is or even where the vagina actually is like a lot because and that's that's a common problem so this is not an unusual thing um and and it's okay there's nothing to be embarrassed about i think that we never really did a good job i think in, in sex ed to really explain kind of the different parts of the body really well to women and men And so I'll take my time and say, okay, well, this is the vaginal opening and this is where your urethrae is and this is where your clitoris is and this is where your rectum is, you know, and women really, and men really appreciate that. And I think the more you know how your body works, the better connected you are with your pelvic floor, right?
1: MJ, when you were doing internal pelvic, I could feel where the muscle was actually spasming. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about a, a spasm. Is that okay?
2: Yeah, it is. When you have, when you have pain, what we're often going to feel, what we're going to feel when we do an internal, is we'll feel tension in the muscle. Sometimes it feels like a little, a little bump or a lump underneath our fingers. Right? It's hard to describe what tension is. Like if you take your thumb, if you keep your hand relaxed and you palpate the base of your thumb, that fleshy part of your thumb. So if you're relaxing your thumb and you palpate, that's like normal muscle tension.
1: Okay, can you say what palpate means for people? Touch, who-
2: well, if you're touching, yeah. So if you're touching, you know, your the thick part of the bottom of your thumb, and it's a resting hand. So that's what kind of normal tension should be. So if you put now your thumb to your index, and you palpate, okay, that's starting to feel like tension. If you put your thumb to your little finger, that's what too much tension feels like. So that's what we feel internally and I guess I mean it goes back to experience you know having palpated or touched you know and assessed many pelvic floors you get a sense of that's a normal softness so that's it's normal for muscles to be soft right it's okay we don't need to be toned and tight all the time and we get to really know what tension feels like and the other thing too is when we find tension we often reproduce pain right my patients will say that's where it hurts that's my tailbone pain that's my vaginal pain that's my uh tip of my penis pain right so they'll so that's when we know okay we're on a spot that is under too much tension so we don't want a muscle to be too soft too loosey-goosey but we don't want a muscle that's too tight so that's what it feels like so it's almost like the same idea when you're cooking a steak you know they kind of tell you okay if you touch the steak and it's like you can kind of push on it. That's like medium, rare, you know, so there's diff- it's the same thing with our muscles, right? So if you use the analogy of your thumb at rest, that's what a relaxed pelvic floor should be.
0: Okay.
1: Can, is this good? Can yeah, I keep good.
2: asking yeah. you yeah. things?
1: Yeah. Okay. Next next one, because now we're internal. Yes. Okay. I loved it when you wanted to educate me and you told me it was a clock.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain the clock yeah, because, then? Because again, you, we have no sense, right? You can't see this muscle. So the best way to to kind of identify is say, okay, think of it like a clock. So if you think of your vaginal opening like a clock, um, 12 o'clock, I'll do different clocks. So depending on what I'm treating. So my typical clock would be, okay, 12 o'clock is kind of where your urethra sits. And the rest of the clock from 11 around to 1 o'clock is muscles. And we have different clocks. We have a clock at the opening. So we have little muscles at the opening, which are primarily the muscles that will give us pain with intercourse. So that's the first clock. And typically in women, because we're talking vaginal here, in women, the part of our clock that will hurt the most is like eight through to four o'clock, which makes sense because if you're going to try to have intercourse and your main complaint is pain with intercourse, it's often with penetration. And where most of the pressure is is at the bottom of her vagina, right? So the bottom of the clock. If you go further in the pelvis... There's another clock, and those are your deeper muscles of your pelvic floor. And there's those muscles go around the clock again. So 12 o'clock would be more pubic bone. And then the rest of the clock is muscle again, but they're deeper inside. And those are the muscles that you use to help control bladder and bowel function. And they also are the muscles that can contribute to pain. And that's more like deep pain with intercourse that's back pain, hip pain, tailbone pain, vaginal pain, okay? So we have two layers of muscles. So we have a superficial clock clock at the opening and a deeper clock. And that's really helpful because if I'm going to give you some exercises to do at home, you've got to really picture in your mind where your muscles are, right? So that's really important. And the clock really makes sense to people because they kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah. And they'll start to notice, you're right, when you press on 8 o'clock, that's where my pain is, but I'm okay at four o'clock, right? So we can start identifying.
1: I really like this because when you taught me this, then I could become more aware of my own muscles within my body. Mm-hmm in that area so that if I'm showing up to see you I'm thinking geez I think it's at four o'clock and eight o'clock and then if you're doing your assessment and you say Karen you know it's just over here on the outside and I'm around four o'clock I'm thinking
2: yes you were right (laughs) and people do people do learn to you do learn to connect with your pelvic floor right you do learn to feel your pelvic floor and I think we start off being completely clueless down there and have no connection and then as and I'm always making a point that if I'm on your right side, I'm saying, I'm on your right side. Can you feel that I'm on the right side? And people go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But when we start, people go, I have no idea where you are in there, right? But as we, as we work, people go, oh, I can tell you're on the right side. Oh, I can tell you're on the left side. And when you start to connect with your pelvic floor, then it's a lot easier for you to recognize, oh, you know what? I'm holding a lot of tension. And that's when people will say to me, you know what, when I sit all day, and I tuck in my tailbone, I can feel those muscles tensing up. And that's when my pain starts. So then I know, uh, I'm probably tucking in my tailbone, or now I'm not sitting correctly. And I need to widen my stance, sit wider, open up my legs, get up, move around. And that's really great, because then people can treat themselves, right? Because it's all about giving you the tools to help you manage your own issues and not relying on me to treat you all the time. So the more you connect with your body, the better you are at managing your symptoms. Right. And that's really important. It's not about creating dependency, you know, and,
0: uh, it's not good for business, but I mean, it's good for, for people. I love that. Um, we're at an hour. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I think I speak for both of us that we would love to have you back, um, for probably multiple shows, um, because we've just scratched the surface on what, what you do and how it can benefit people. And like she said, we just got internal. Um, so if you would be so kind as to to join us again, we would love that. I'd be happy that. to. I'd be thank you. to. You're welcome. Um, as always, uh, we invite listeners to submit questions and comments, uh, and you can direct them for MJ so that she can prepare and, and have answers for you in the uh, following um, shows. You can email us at info at com. MJ,
1: thank you. I can hardly wait to hear you or to see you and have you back on the show again.
2: Well, I'll be happy to. I'm glad to. Thank you for inviting me.